Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, and real conversations about change, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources at HealingWays. That's Healing, W-A-Z-E.com. When was the last time that you had a conversation with someone that just left you in awe? Well, that's what this conversation that you're about ready to listen to did to me. My guest Chrissy Rapp was faced with enormous challenges from the beginning of her life. Challenges that eventually led her to going to prison. And then in prison, she was blessed to have found resources within herself and from other people and the prison library to help her not only heal herself, but then learn how to use her experiences and her gifts to help others on their healing journey. And now Chrissy uses this knowledge and these skills to help those that have been in jail or are currently in jail to start to heal and rebuild their lives as well. This conversation is short, but definitely fulfilling and inspirational. And if you know anybody that is struggling with their own addiction or recovery, I highly recommend you share this episode with them and connect them to Chrissy. Her contact information is in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome, Chrissy. I am excited to learn more about you. But first, I'm going to start with some easy questions because we are warmed up and ready. Um, Then we're going to dive deeper into your story, which includes your experience with addiction and anxiety and your transformation. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Chrissy, I know that your last name is hyphenated. It's Rat Patterson. What's your middle name? May. May, okay. M-A-E, yes. M-A-E. Oh, I have a friend whose daughter is named May and spelled that way. Really? Yeah. Do you know um, why you have your middle name? Um, My mom's middle name is May, and my daughter's and my sister... (laughs) So you right. You're my family. We we tend to share middle names as well. It's kind really? of really yeah. I, I like to uh, carry that. Yeah, it's fun. Where did you grow up? I know where you're at now. Where did you grow um, up? I actually grew up here. You did? I okay. Did, uh, yeah, in Harper County, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not familiar with Maryland. You were starting to tell me there's not a lot of woods there. No, we actually even have a petition we just signed to like um, save Abingdon Woods because um, they're trying to build houses. They just want to build houses everywhere. When I grew up here, it was nothing. There was nothing here but woods. And now there's just houses and businesses and the animals are getting hit everywhere. You know, there's like dead animals all over the like every day. It's sad. Yeah, it really is. That's terrible. Do you have any woods nearby that you can escape to? Can you leave yeah, we, other states? Yeah, we, we have, um, there's back on, um, it's called Bush Road. It's kind of like a, a flooded area. Okay. Sometimes when it rains, but it's actually a really cool spot. And that's our like woods. And we go to the skate park and things like that. But not like where you can go out back and, and run around, you know. You have yeah. to kind of drive mostly or go to the, you know, the one up the street that's mm-hmm. kind of like limited. 
We yeah. Don't have that what a bummer. What a bummer. Yeah, yeah it's getting I'm really every day now. You were there every day? Good. I go to the woods every day. Every day. Yeah. Nice. So even though there's not a lot, you take advantage of what you have. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Absolutely. So, Chrissy, what is the strangest gift that you have ever received? Oh, my gosh. My grandmother gives me so... My grandmother is weirder than me, so she gives me lots of strange gifts. <laughs> Well, I used to think it was strange when she used to bring home rocks all the time, uh-huh. different rocks. Well, I thought they were just rocks. And this is before crystals were cool. Right. But she would bring me home the weirdest crystals I've ever seen. And now I like love crystals and I make jewelry. So I'm like, oh, let me see all them rocks you had. Oh, change your perspective. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny because it's like life showing me. Uh-huh. Like, you should do this. Maybe you'll be interested if you keep handing me rocks, you know, every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> but, yeah. See, Grandma had an idea. She's going to need these. Yeah, you know, my mom would give me lots of weird stuff like that growing up. And now I'm just, I'm telling people all the time, I love the hippie ways that my mom taught yeah. me. <laughs> but when I was yeah. younger, I thought it was really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we are here to chat more about your past, which might mm-hmm. include part some stories of grandma, maybe. Yes. But definitely about your transformation story. Uh, your right. life is, sounds very transformational. I love what you said in your interview questionnaire. You said, I turned my mess into a message and my test into a testimony. Yes. So let's start with your mess. Tell me all about that. (laughs) Okay. First, let me go by saying I live with my grandmother for the reason of my mom had me at 14. Wow. So, yeah. So my grandmother remarried when I was nine months old to a man and he was schizophrenic drank a lot and I had a hard time so like really hard time with him so he was kind of mean but sweet it's like you know that it's he he was either the nicest person you ever met or the meanest so it's just depending on the medicine if it worked or if he was in a good mood or not um so I grew up really having a hard time with that I stayed with my grandmother for a while tiptoeing around him made me have anxiety to the point where I could not function anymore like I was really having a hard time and I didn't know it was anxiety at the time I just knew I couldn't breathe and I have asthma Mm -hmm. so I was like shaking all the time I I wasn't eating right I wasn't taking care of my body because my anxiety literally took over everything so it got so bad that they had put me on medications from Xanax to like uh, Celexa. I started to slowly abuse the Xanax. Uh-oh. And then, yeah, How old were you? Of, I started around like uh, 15. Okay. Then I was okay. kind of taking more because it, I, I didn't want to feel at all because I could still feel. But then I, I started realizing like I'm sleeping a lot. I'm not even really living. I'm just sleeping now. I'm existing. That's it. And then, you know, I started to attract these type of people, men in my life that were like, I thought they loved me, narcissists. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, I had a really abusive um, relationship that 
was like the turning point really where and I was like I I kind of sat there thinking like is this what I'm worth is, is this what I actually think I'm worth is dealing with this so How I tried to get that happened it was I was about 17 at that time yes yeah, so and then so young yeah I was because I just kept trying to because my grandmother and grandfather were older So Mm -hmm. they were very strict and like, so it's hiding a lot of this stuff, like really hiding it. And my grandmother is like my best friend. Like she loves me so much and she would kind of like lie for me and like, you know, coddle me probably in an unhealthy way. You know what I mean? Enabling you. Enabler. It's really easy for parents and grandparents who are parents. (laughs) Yeah, uh, to fall into that enabler yeah. category. So you just kept falling deeper into this addiction cycle, and you were with this yeah. boyfriend who became abusive. And you said mm-hmm. you were saying you had this moment where you're like, "Is this really what I'm worth?" We had a group of friends in the neighborhood that we were really close boys, all boys. I'm the only girl. About it was about eight of us. Okay. So this guy Billy down the street, I used to date, and we were together 13 years actually. After oh. he was like the best thing never happened to me it was everything was great and then we slowly he was taking Percocet because he had broke his back in a really bad car accident so then we slowly started taking that and then you know I felt like that numbed me really numbed me mm-hmm. and a good like I could still move and I was active and I could clean the house and <sighs> then you know I could get things done I felt mm-hmm. like it was like a super pill and this is working for me and like I went and got my script too I'm like oh yeah I'm hurt and you know I figured out the way you know to get the doctor to give me what I wanted and it worked so I got off of that okay and then see what my thing is is like I, I just switched to something else like maybe yeah. this will help me and it's not so bad in my mind that's what I do I'll switch to something else maybe this will help or it isn't as bad as this because that would help me accept. Mm-hmm. So, but I got off of that. I did get pregnant. I had Olivia. She's my first daughter. She's now uh, about to be 17. And then five years later, I had Isabella. She is 11 now. Six years, I was good. And then after I had Isabella, we started slowly taking the pills again. Like uh, we were just having a hard time. He got locked up. So I was stuck with the house by myself. What did he go to jail for? He was at a strip club one night and they, he was selling his medication and yeah, he got caught. Yeah. I was on my own then. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, Oh my God, I was the housewife and I didn't work then. I wasn't working. So I got left with the boat, the house, the cars, the, the kids, kids, and nothing, no money. So I had, I got a job. I did started doing hair, mm-hmm. and I apprenticed. When you're apprenticing and you're doing it, though, it takes about three years. Yeah. So I couldn't do school and try to work with two girls. You were all of a sudden a single mom of two young kids. So you said that you eventually turned back to taking pills. Yeah, I did. I couldn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. I did good for a while, but that he was there and I was, we were writing back for talking, visiting. And then it got to the point where I'm like, the kids hated going there. And I'm like, I'm not making the kids do this. They hate coming there. I hate going there. We slowly just drifted off. And I'm like, I shouldn't even really forgave you anyway. This is kind of like your karma. I just let him go. Um, My life changed. It wasn't 100% better yet, but it was 
starting to get better. So I moved out of that house because I couldn't afford it anymore by myself. So Mm -hmm. we went to um, my grandmother's for a little while. I had a stock in my name I wasn't allowed to have until my grandmother let me you know, signed it off for it. Mm-hmm. So she let me have it. And then I bought a house in Have Degrees. And then we had this beautiful new house. The kids loved the neighborhood. Everything was great there. And I started getting anxiety again. I just kept going back because I didn't really know how to fix what was going on. I just kept switch. Like I said, I kept switching my mind yeah. to make well, myself feel better. Right. And you kept putting band-aids on yes. that, all that trauma that you had grown up with. Yeah. You just kept putting band-aids, just a different color of band-aid. Yes, yes. Oh. exactly. Yeah, how old were you at this time when you had bought the new house and things seemed to be going good, but you were still using? I was about 30, somewhere around there. And then, long story short, because it, it, it is, they put me back on Xanax. So I thought if you put me in a low dose, I would be okay. Mm-hmm. So, and I was okay for a while and then I'd stop taking it on my own and I had a bunch of it but my neighbors like bugging me every day like can I have one of them Xanax and I'm like oh all right here you can have one I don't take them but then you know she's like oh my cousin really needs some he's having seizures if he doesn't have them if you sell him um 30 of them um he'll give you 400 dollars and you need the money right now you know you, you have kids by yourself and I'm like oh yeah okay I'll do that and then she set me up supposedly she had been caught if you set somebody up you get you know off your charge and so yeah this is like really horrible lifestyle that I I didn't realize that I was like so deep into that like I didn't even realize like what am I doing right now and I sold to an undercover cop oh my gosh yeah I did and they didn't get me right away they did not get me right away I knew oh, something okay. was wrong, though. I knew something was wrong. Yeah. It was just too, like, he had a beat-up car, long hippie hair. And I'm like, this is, like, weird. You Over the think top. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was too much. Like, you're trying to disguise too much. Like, yeah. I did pick that up. And I was like, but three months later, I hear a bang at my door. And then I looked out the window. There's police all the way around my house. And I'm like, oh, my God. So they came in and took me right then and I'm like what is going on because I didn't even know what was happening because they never said what was what what they were there for really so scary um, it was your girl's home no they weren't thank god thank god that's all I always think about that but yeah they were not there they were in school yeah they took me they were like you're going away for a long time you know it's a 20-year offense distribution of narcotics okay had you had any other experiences with going to jail or is this the first yeah, I got a DUI before that, like a couple weekends for that. So, but this okay. was a couple of weekends is nothing compared to 20 years, you know. They gave me um, first 20 years. And then, you know, my grandmother, of course, who tries to bail me out, but then we had to get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they denied my bail and they got me a lawyer. They got the distribution of narcotic down to distribution of non narcotic, which is five years. So okay. I'm like, my life is over. I'm done. And at this time, I'm on methadone because I stopped taking the um, opiates from Mm -hmm. the Percocets and all. I stopped taking them, but I thought this, you know, methadone was really helping me because that's what they convince you that it's doing. It's helping you. Yeah. My brother overdosed and died from um, a combo and it started with opiates Mm -hmm. and then he 
went to methadone because it's supposed yeah. to be better. Yeah. And oh, just horrible, horrible how easy it is. It is. For people to get these things and then get hooked on it. Yes. And then you are the one that really does suffer in all kinds of ways. And in your case, going to jail was one of them. Ah, it's horrible. Yeah, so you were on like, methadone while you were in jail? Yeah. And I was so scared. I was on a high, I was on 120 do, uh, milligrams too. Wow. And they wouldn't, don't even allow you to go down. They're like, no, it's not a good idea. You know, you try to go down. They don't want you to do that. You might use, you don't want to do that. So anyway, I was up on a high dosage. So I was like, oh my God, this is going to be bad for me. Like really, and that's a huge fear for someone that's on that mm. It is like a huge fear. Like you don't want to wake up and miss your dose because you're screwed. But um, I withdrawed for a good two months. So it was pretty bad. They gave me five years. So I only did, I did three on it, almost three on five. But and yeah, in there. Was it this a prison, like minimum security? Well, or Yeah, it was prison. And um, it's like the only prison in Maryland for women. So there it's not, it's a mixture of all, like you can have your maximum minimum and like the medium security. You have it all there. They just have different buildings in that same compound. Okay. So, but like, this is like surreal to me because I've Uh never really experienced, I'm dabbling with this life and don't realize what I've done because you know, you're really blinded when on this medication, especially Xanax. It makes you forget everything else in life. Like, Nothing else is there, really. It's like a fog. But when you're woke up like that, you're like, everything hurts. Everything matters. All these feelings and memories and and flashbacks of what I've done and, and like, my family. I was breaking down daily. Like, I did not know how to do it, let alone my children. It was, like, killing me. I kept thinking, like, what if if something happens to them while I'm in here? I just kept doing this every day. I was horrified. I was trying to find a way out of there. Every day, my mind's thinking, I got to, because I'm good at that. That's what drug addicts do. They think of, how can I get out of this? So I'm talking to this lawyer. We have to put on this motion for a habeas corpus and all these other things. And I got my mom spending money. And then I just realized, like, I have done enough. I have done enough. For at two people, to my family, to everyone, I, I need to just stop it now. Like, somebody has to just, like, smack me or something. Like, it was horrible the way I was selfish. I, did, I suffered for a good year in there. Like, I really did. Like, it was just so horrible. I had to go through all that to get me to stop. That's how hard-headed I was. I'm like, geez, and that's why I try to help people because I'm like, you don't have to suffer this long. You don't have to keep doing the same things to, to hurt yourself and your family yeah. to, to figure it out. I could teach you a different way. Yeah. But I, after I was working for a while, I was thinking I got to occupy my time with something else besides the worrying because I was like, I, I'm not a reader, but I'm just going to try to read a book. I, I don't, I couldn't calm my mind enough to, to sit and read, but I sat there and grabbed a book out of the library. I didn't even know what it was. I just grabbed it because there wasn't many left. You have a whole bunch of options, really. So I I took it back, and it was this book about past lives. And I was always kind of interested in this, but the guy was – oh, God, I wish I knew this book's name. But the doctor was – he was a therapist, and um, he was treating a woman with anxiety. So that's what I'm thinking. What is – 
Yeah. Yeah. What an awesome coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> it was. So he's like you're doing hypnosis therapy with her. She starts to talk about her past lives. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. So then I was really interested in this. So I started really researching. So my, I was full blast after that. I, I went and got a book that was talking about the masters and the uh, angels and stuff, spirit guides. And then I wow. found Sylvia Brown. And I was so into Sylvia Brown. I literally got every book that she ever wrote and maybe even double because that's all I wanted to do after that. I read and read and read and read and learned Eckhart Tolle and Alan Watts and Joe Dispenza. I am love Joe Dispenza. He's my favorite. I just read and read and I did not stop the entire time. So I was meditating and my mind, it just clicked. I don't know how, but it did. And my life just changed. My mom was just like in tears because she started seeing. First, she thought I was nuts. <laughs> then she was like, okay. And then she's like, because that's why I like Joe Dispenza because he backs it up with science. Did you meet anybody while you were in jail that, oh my God, that yes. supported oh. your healing journey? Yes. Lots of lifers. Like I would, This jail was full of um, baby killers. And this was like hard for me to be around. You do not ask somebody where what they did. You don't okay. do that in jail. You, you just don't. It's a rule. So you never really know. It's the roommates, you might get away with that but because you're living with them. And yeah. not only are they baby killers, but a good like 60% of them have HIV or oh. hepatitis. It opened my eyes to, oh my God, these people are so sick. It's yeah. so sad because they're sick and they kind of grew up the same way I did, but they just had a different way of going about like their life and the way they were thinking. And I sort of analyze people to like, not judging really, but just seeing their perspectives and, and understanding that could have been me. Like that could have mm-hmm. been me, not maybe not a baby killer, but like just the way their lives have gone. Like I, I met a girl that was, um, seven years, she got seven years for vehicular manslaughter. She was a nurse and she was tired on the way home and hit somebody. It's just like crazy. One thing could happen and your life could really be over. Well, mm-hmm. maybe not over because mine was actually just started. Were so, you yeah. spiritual at all before you started this? I was religious. Okay. Okay. So before, mm-hmm. and I kept going to church in there. These okay. churches are amazing. Like, wow, really amazing. Because these are hurt people, mm-hmm. like sick people that need help. Yeah. So I really would sit back. I'm a watcher. Like, I watch people and I see how people are. I would be the one questioning. Mm-hmm. Why would God want you to fear him? Why does God want to judge you if he says he forgives? I've had people walk out of me on church and be like, I'm not dealing with this crap. I'm not dealing with this devil worshiper. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I was teetering, like, on, like, I I feel like if I don't believe in God, he'll judge me for that. Or, but then why would God, I was doing that for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's healthy questioning. Like you said, you like to observe and question. So I took a class in there, and it was a life skills class. And my teacher, she taught us to move energy, the tapping Mm-hmm. We, I was certified in that from the Department of Labor and License. They give you real um, That's certificates. cool. Yeah. Like, it really cool. She taught us to journal. She taught us to uh, meditate. 
she taught us to teach other people how to do guided meditations or how to have prayer chains and the tapping. But it was a 10-week course, and um, that lady really changed my life. It was really cool. And she was a doctor. And everybody thought she was crazy too, but then I was thinking like, she's not I know this lady knows her stuff. Yeah, oh my gosh, it. how beautiful. Yeah, it's really crazy how these things were lined up in my life to just turn me around and now I can see. So once I started to get at the end of this class, I'm really catching on to this now mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, I can do this. So I started learning about the manifestations. How do I manifest? Because really that's how... That's what life is. It's it's enjoying, experiencing, and manifesting what you really want. So I wrote a list of what I wanted. I'm going to make this list extravagant. I'm not going to make a baby list to where I can maybe get that. No, I want a brand new car. I want to go to somewhere where the beach is blue water and white sand. I want a perfect man that I can spiritually align with and that we can grow together. I want to be tan. I want to be skinny. I wanted my hair done and I got my teeth fixed. So when I finally was about to come home, my family started seeing this change at the end. uh, It was about like three months before I was about to come home. And I get called down to uh, the chaplain. Everybody's like, Oh shit. Oh, no, because, you know, when you get called down the chaplain, something happened. So Mm. I'm, like, so worried, like, oh, God. So I go down, and they told me my grandmother has died. My Not my grandmother, my mom, which was the center of our family still. Like, she was very important in our family. So I was, like, going through that, like, just losing people while you're in there, and you can't do anything about it. But that's what jail does to you. It makes you, forces you to let go. You have no other choice. You have no other You cannot control when you wake up, when you eat, when you go to the bathroom. You mm-hmm. cannot control a single thing in there. J- jail forced me to let go. So that wow. was my hardest thing is to let go. Stop trying to control everything. You can't do it. There's no way. So about a week later, I was kind of like really down after that because I'm like, you know, I couldn't comfort my mom either. When I say mom... By the way, I, I'm switching back to saying mom and grandma. I call her mom, but I refer her to someone else as she's my grandmother because they just won't understand. So she's my mom, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I love God. it. I have the weirdest family. But <laughs> so they called me back down to the chaplain a week later. And I'm like, because they want, I thought maybe I wrote a poem for them to read from me at the funeral. So mm-hmm. I thought they wanted to take it to her. And he's like, the chaplain's like, sit down for me. And I was kind of like, this small, because I wrote this really good poem. I was actually super proud of this. And honestly, maybe people thought I was a little, um, like I wasn't crying and I, was, I wasn't really emotion, emotional for a long time because I know how death works. Mm-hmm. We just transform. So I understood it different. But I was upset. I missed her. And I was upset that I couldn't be there. But I wasn't, I wasn't dragging this on. Because she lived a long life. I figured like... Death isn't, it's supposed to be celebrated. Our ancestors celebrated death. You just transform. I don't feel like it's, except for the part where you miss them, you know? So they tell me, sit down. We have to tell you something. And I'm like, oh God. I realized right then, oh, this is not about my poem. This is not about 
So they're like, your dad um, committed suicide. I'm like, I couldn't even think. I did not expect them to say that. I'm like, what? I kind of like was so confused. Like my brain wasn't understanding information. I stood there like, hold on, my dad can just, and it didn't really surprise me, honestly, because yeah. I was like, my dad was so sick and my grandmother dying must have triggered something in him. How long just, was this after the, your grandma? A week. Yeah. So, and my grandmother was living in my house with my other grandmother and my dad because they, my grandmother was taking care of her mother. Okay. So my grandmother, which is my mom, grandmother, uh-huh. she had her mother died and her husband died in the same week. Gosh. Wow. So, yeah. So it is. That, so then after that huge first shock, you oh, were saying yeah. like, you just couldn't believe yeah. it. Like, you didn't believe the words coming out of his the chaplain. That, that one hurt me bad. I didn't expect that. It was like fast. Like he went from okay to, and I just talked to him the night before and I could tell something was wrong. Me and my dad were very close because I understood him mm-hmm. in a way that like, Nobody else did. I knew how to deal with him when he was doing something nuts, which he always was. My mom would call me like, come, please help with dad because he's um, off his meds again. And I just knew how to talk to him. So I just couldn't wait to get home. In four months, I had left. And I'm like, I had so much information I had really planned on helping him, especially with. Nobody told us it's inside us. Nobody has ever told you that. They just put these Band-Aids on, like you said. And it's like putting a Band-Aid on your broken car that has an engine light on. If the engine light's covered with a Band-Aid, doesn't mean the car isn't messed up. Right. It just means you can't see it. It's funny how God works, though, because he moved these things for me. Even though it's, I don't look at it as like, I'm glad he's dead or any, nothing like that. But these things were moved so my life would go straight and so I could help myself and other people too. And my family was super welcoming to me. Everyone in my family was at that door when I got out. So when I was about to come home, about yeah. three weeks before I came home, my friend John, one of my eight guy friends, mm-hmm. he contacted my mom and said, you know, because my dad died and he wanted to say something to me about, and you know, he's like my brother. I never realized how perfect John could be for me. I never even thought about John, but like he's spiritual. He does the same things as I do. The way he thinks is the same way I think. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is all aligning. So when I got out, we started dating. We ended up being perfect. Like people were like, wow, I cannot believe that you didn't see this before. And just everything aligned yeah. the way it was supposed to. Once I just stopped letting this analytical mind and the ego mind, once you identify what this analytical mind is, mm-hmm. that is when the change starts. But you have to seek it or it won't, it's not going to just throw itself in your lap. And even if it does, you won't be able to see it because right. it's been thrown in my lap a thousand times that I never saw. So now your mind was clear and you yes. had all this work to heal yourself and yes. you were ready. Yes, you were ready. I was did, so ready. Did you? I was, I'm like, I want to teach everybody this. I want to tell <laughs> everybody how I did this. If I could save someone that suffering I went through, yeah. oh my God, I had to be beat down all the way. The, the day before I came in, my mom, she came to visit me and said, I got something to tell you. Your grandmother left you $20,000 when she died. And I just saw everything just was like coming together. I got my teeth fixed. I went on vacation. Me and John went on a cruise. We went to Haiti. We went to Puerto Rico. So everything on my list was just getting crossed off. 
I just bought a new car two weeks ago. So that was my last thing. Congratulations. Thank you. So when did you get out of jail? How long ago? Two years ago now. Yeah. And wow, your life has like completely transformed more than I could have ever imagined when I saw a transformational story. Oh, this is beautiful. What have you done since? It sounds like now you're, like you said, you wanted to use what you've learned to help other people and you become a Reiki practitioner and you're doing other healing modalities. Yeah. Tell me about that. What are you doing professionally? First, I wanted to say, so when you change, people want to still judge you like you're that same person. So I just like do that when I came home. Yeah. I just like through Chrissy's the drug addict, you know, mm-hmm. she's the person that does this and that. I had to weed around court and stuff for my kids. Then yeah. my baby's father's mother had my kids did not want to give them back. So I was still fighting that, but that would have taken me down before. This time I stayed firm and I was just continuing to go straight because that's what they want to see so they can give them back. So thank God I have a good family and my mom was there. She helps me to go forward instead of telling me, no, 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 I don't think that's right. And she really helped me with building the business I wanted. I wanted to be able to heal people. I went to a a sound bath one time and as soon as I heard that bell, I was like, oh my God. And I knew about the vibration and I knew, so I actually got the experience this and I was just like, "Um, I want to do this. Like, that's what I want to do. And that's what the Egyptians did. That's how they heal people with vibration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to do that. I wanted to heal. And I wanted to heal drug addicts. That's what I wanted to do. Women and drug addicts. Because women are just, they can relay messages easier. I think they're better with words, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Communication does tend to come easier to us. I mean, it's not specifically for women, but I wanted specifically drug addicts. Mm -hmm. I will heal anyone. I'll heal my cat. You know, I heal animals, <laughs> I heal trees, I do, I heal my plant. Mm-hmm. I got um, the whole seven chakra crystal healing bowls, mm-hmm. and I went to do Reiki, I did um, the Reiki sessions, and then I was like, I need, to, I went to the classes and did that, so I add that in with the sound healing. Holding space is the key to the healing part, and they will call every time and be like, oh my god. Thank you for listening to me, especially because no one really understands how important it is to listen to someone Mm -hmm. because everybody's so distracted with this and this and this and this. I love to see people actually take to this because I started this group in jail. I started a meditation guided meditation group there and they followed me when they all got out slowly calling me. Oh, I know. that's beautiful. Yeah, start I'm like get a hold of me right away before the outside world gets you. It's yes. like you have to catch them before the problems cuz when you get home, if you don't have backed up which 99% of them don't. Yeah. Because you lose everything if you've done more than a year. There's a lot on you when you come home. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you immediately started helping other people. I love that. What plans do you have now for your practice? When people come to see me, I'll come hold the space and find out what the problem is first. Mm-hmm. If they're at a level where I think I'll give them some advice, maybe talk therapy usually could help. If it's something really deep, we'll keep doing sessions and we'll do you know, as many as they need, really. But 
the herbs and the food, the diet plans. But have you tried talking to the prisons about doing, or have you already done groups in the prison um, or any like sound baths? Are, you have to be out of jail a certain amount of time. I'm friends okay. with all the CEOs still. Okay. Because they always would ask me, what did you do? Because they just could tell that I, I was different, you know, but these people were taught that way. They're mm -hmm. just t taught to survive. What do you think made you be able to find the good in your time in jail and like you know better yourself versus a lot of people that you were in jail with honestly it is the support and just being tired of doing the same thing yeah I had like a I, I've always been like an empath because mm -hmm. of how I was raised like that like having to tiptoe and feel my way around so mm -hmm. I think I just had a love like strong love for my mother and my kids so much that like I wanted to, I cannot teach my kids this. I cannot be this person. And I wasn't where I needed to be. And I didn't want to come home and suffer. And all this mm -hmm. time I did had to be for something. I wanted yes. to turn, I don't want to be wasted years of my life. Yeah. Especially around yeah. the age I was. So how is your relationship with your daughters now? Me and my mother-in-law, we just don't get along. She's not a very good person. And she's not ever going to like me, ever. Because I left your son while he was in jail. And mm -hmm. I'm the worst person. Because oh, I better course. myself. You know? Right. So anyway, she's got my kids. They live three houses down from me. She will not give me my kids. I'm fighting for them. And, and I have, I'm proving myself is what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Yep. And I'm going forward. And I just found out my reunification counselor is a Reiki master. I was like, thank you, God. I yeah. love it. Yeah, because... Uh. It Explaining this to somebody, a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. is never going to be like, you're nuts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They think you're crazy. Yeah. And you need medicine. You don't need to try to do this on your own. Don't even do that. <laughs> but she'll understand me. Yes. She'll finally understand me. So I all I'm going to do is prove that, and then they can live here with me. But I do get to see, talk to them and okay. see them. We got to eat here and there. But my um, older daughter, my 16-year-old, about to be 17, Olivia is a little, um, she's angry still. She's at that age. So yeah. I'm, like I said, only two years I've been home. So I'm still proving myself, but they haven't, really had time with me where she wasn't around so they can see for themselves what's going on i get to talk to them but it's really coached mm -hmm. like you say this you say that yeah i say are you putting on your list of things you're going to manifest yeah. a whole healed relationship with your daughters yes 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 i can see that happening for you for sure so before we get ready to say goodbye, do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for other people struggling with addiction, anxiety, other yes. challenges? Yeah, it's just like the best saying in the world because my teacher had told me this over and over and over and drilled me. It's observed, do not absorb because things are the way they are. That doesn't mean you have to let it affect you because you can see it or if it bothers you. It doesn't mean that you have to let it change your vibration because Whatever vibration you're carrying is what you're attracting to. Observe things, don't absorb them. Thank you so much, Chrissy. That was Thank awesome. You. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet, and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection, and follow me on Instagram at thedragonflymama.com so we can stay in touch between episodes. Take care.